0: Good to go. Hey, this is Noah Drew of Root Solutions.
1: And this is Kai Krubos of Control the Basics.
0: We're bringing you Root Solutions Learns to Control the Basics.
1: This is our yeah. second
0: episode. Um, we're following up on our previous episode about the parasympathetic portion of the nervous system. Uh, today, we'll be getting into the next phase, which is, uh, we believe, ill represented uh, and called the fight stimulus, which is a sympathetic nervous system upgrade. Uh, well, I guess another portion of, a, of an upgrade of the nervous system. Um, before we do that though, we wanted to, to spend a few minutes and talk a little bit about the, the last podcast we had. Um, it was our first go at it. So, um, it's it a little bit slow. We're, we're still <laughs> learning. Um, we sent it out to some people that we really care about. Before we sent it out to the public and and got some really great feedback,
1: Um,
0: some of the things that they had talked about was, you know, they wanted to hear more about our background, more about our experiences, um, more about our why. So I wanted to take a second before we got into the good stuff today and kind of get into more into depth about who we are, what we are, why we are, um, and kind of maybe answer some more of those questions for you guys. So uh, like you said last week, Kai and I met at a massage school that we went to here in California. Um, we referred to it as a joke, <laughs> <laughs> which might have been a little bit harsh. Um, and we didn't really go into, into much detail as far as what about it was a joke. So I want to take a second here and just kind of to clear up what our experience was like. Um, we don't believe that massage therapy is a joke. Uh, nor do we believe that anybody who pursues massage therapy is a joke. We actually think it's uh, a really great field and we think there are a lot of places that do it really well. And I certainly know I have a lot of friends that I really respect in the industry. I I know Kai, you do as well, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, yeah. I, I wanted to clear up that we don't think that massage therapy itself is a joke. It's just the school that we went to. Um in both uh, me and Noah's opinion was not the best school to go to, but it served its purpose, right?
0: Sure. Got um, us where we needed to go. Um, yeah. We met each other. We we, we found, we, we had a couple other friends that we met from there that, that really kind of helped uh, formulate where we are in our path and helped give us some guidance. Um, but the school itself, the way it was ran just was kind of ran. Um, it, it was really to kind of thrown together. There, there wasn't a real great plan. Um, The way they taught, we, we really disagreed with. And and a lot of the information was, was really kind of old and dated. Um, Specifically for me, I think my struggles with the school was, you know, we didn't spend very much time on anatomy and I felt like, you know, we didn't really understand what we were doing when we massage people, like really from a biological level. uh, We breezed right past that, but we, spent a heck of a lot of time on you know the effect of lilac on on the the human system um which i just think might be stepping over pennies to try to get rich you know
1: yeah yeah and uh from my experience uh because i had uh prior experience to more in-depth anatomy through my certification um, through muscle activation techniques uh going into that class was uh You know, I think it's safe to say it served its purpose in both me and Noah's eyes. Uh, I think more so for me because I wasn't looking for the anatomy. Um, I was more looking for the license to be able to – how do I put this so it's not creepy? Um, Just say it touched people. It it just touched people. I (laughs) want to touch people yeah to touch possible. People. As, yeah it's really hard right now because I can't touch people, but um um <laughs> uh, but yeah to to touch people without you know getting sued because I'm not licensed to touch people um but yeah, I mean, for me uh having the prior knowledge of the anatomy, having to tell the teacher that she's or he is spelling it incorrectly or not saying the right muscle or correct bone and um you know to his or her, her um benefit as uh, they were a little bit older but um you know i don't know why she will be teaching that class or her him or her is her uh, like, yeah, I like
0: love how you're trudging around this, but like it's it's, man, it's so hard uh, it's, to um, put yeah. to put into perspective. The, <laughs> the teacher that that was educating us was, um, I mean, she was probably in her late 70s. Um, She's though super, super had, sweet lady though. So crazy nice had yeah. an an amazing amount of experience with actually physically working with people, and and mm-hmm. when it came to the conversation about. How to actually massage people and like take cues on comfort and, and things like that. She did a great job. Um, mm-hmm. The struggle for us was we're nerds and, and we wanted a little bit more in depth conversation about the human body. I mean, for me, it was really tough because this was my initiation really into it all. Um, I had taken some anatomy courses in at a local JC. Um, I had worked as a strength and conditioning coach, but those of you that work deep in the strength conditioning community understand that the barrier for entry is low. And and the reality is, is you teach yourself on the job and and you get by and really just loving and caring for people. So in this case um, I was there because I really genuinely wanted a lot of really good information, practical information um, about humans. And I just didn't get that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, Definitely not the school if, if you want uh, deep, deep anatomy and uh, more more practical um, application of information, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were now other teachers, t- but, you know.
0: Yeah. Right. That said, um, I had friends that went to different massage schools in California that had very, very, very different experiences. And I had maybe made the mistake of propping up their experiences to what I thought I was going to get from the school that I went to, and I, I just didn't get it so um, but I think that the important thing to kind of understand here with with the our experience in massage is that it, it does kind of give um, an essence of what the physical physical therapy community, and, and really just passive protocol community, how they're educated. Now, that said, um, passive protocol essentially means that you're passively helping people reach their action, So they're not doing it themselves. Somebody's mm-hmm. aiding in that experience. So mm-hmm. massage, chiropractic, um, in a lot of ways, uh, direct doctors because they're using uh, pharmaceutical intervention to help people rather than actually – change tissue to make change or or in kai's case work with people emotionally Mm -hmm. so i i think part of our struggle with with those worlds is that because of the insurance model um their hands get tied quite a bit so we have friends that are practitioners that are massage therapists or chiros that again we very much respect but because of insurance a lot of those industries have been kind of turned into pain management and only pain management, which is okay, right? If you get in a car accident, the first step is getting you out of pain. So those people become really important. Where Kai and I fall into a gray area, and, and a big reason why we choose to not be um, physical therapists in a clinic setting or doctors in a clinic setting is because we like the freedom to be able to solve problems the problem with solving problems is it takes time and insurance companies don't want to pay for that time. And so we find ourselves getting people that have come out of physical therapy, come out of massage, come out of chiropractic or talk to people that, you know, will tell us, Hey, I've seen a massage therapist once a week for the last 10 years. I mean, how common is that for you, Kai? Uh,
1: Yeah, very common. It's uh yeah. I mean, not only you know massage therapy, but um, and, and not to bash on on anything, but you know people that have like aches and pains, but all they do is put ice or heat right. or um, the the great percussion massage sure. gun, the um, crossball, the foam roller, all that. Um, you know, and and needless to say, there is a time and place for everything. Um, but yeah, to your point, they, it's all very passive and um, I don't know who said it, but passive uh, modalities yield passive results.
0: And it's so... Andrea Spina, that's and d- passive, d- there we go.
1: That's, I know, I saw that. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, if you want actionable results, you got to do actionable modalities. And that's exactly what me and you do and it's it's the hard stuff it's the it's the um the things that people on a on a bad day don't want to do and even on a good day they don't want to do so um, and another
0: thing too is it, it, to understand about that is is the the hard stuff isn't um it's not cookie cutter you know mm-hmm. i may have somebody come in for neck pain um and and One person may have neck pain because they have whiplash from, say, a car accident. Another person may have neck pain because they don't know how to breathe.
1: Yeah. And
0: they may have neck pain. That neck pain and that breath issue can be a direct correlate of emotional stress Mm -hmm. that gets placed on them from um, work. So the hard thing that we struggle with is, is you know we we say a lot of stats don't guess and the, the reality for us is we want to understand people's problems and we want to go to the root of their issue and solve it but in order to do that in America um, you can't really do that under the insurance model so we find ourselves finding alternative methods to to find those solutions and so that's again why we function in this gray area of care um, all pieces of care become important and are necessary, but I just think it's important that everybody understands that we don't think that massage therapy is a bad thing, nor do we think that chiropractic or anything else is. Um, But we do believe that you eventually have to deal with the problem itself and get to it. Um, So that's issue number one, or or that that was comment number one that we had received. Um, Another comment that we had received was, Um, for us to kind of take a second and circle back to the parasympathetic. So last week, Kai and I spoke about the parasympathetic, which is the lowest level of function in the human body. Um, Not to say that that's not important, but if we were to talk about maybe like a thermometer, which Kai is going to go into more depth about later, but, you know, people are comfortable between 70 and maybe 75 degrees. Now, 70 and 75 degrees, from a weather perspective, I can live easy and free and feel comfortable. That's what parasympathetic is. It's this comfortable place where our body is safe to heal and recover um, and have positive social interaction and, you know, digest food and all the other things that we need to do. Now, our body has to be able to do other things as well because, unfortunately, in life, we we have to – sometimes go to work and sometimes we need to work out and do other things. So that goes back to that yin and yang principle that we talked about last week where all sides become really, really important. The thing that we didn't talk about, that, or we didn't talk about enough, I think, is helping people understand like an actionable plan as far as how to move forward in this sympathetic place. So – the easiest way to kind of framework that is, is, and we'll talk in more depth later about this as well, but just relax. Just find time to breathe and relax yeah. and enjoy life and have those positive social interactions. If you're going to eat food, take a minute. Let the food digest. Don't do it while you're driving. Don't do it while you're standing in the kitchen uh, in between giving your kids a bath and trying to put them to bed. You know, Take the time to allow your body to absorb the nutrients. Take the time to breathe, meditate, um, things along those natures. If it's something that helps you relax, it probably is going to fit the profile of what you need to do to help yourself get into a more relaxed place and, and let your body heal.
1: Um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, I love what you said about, you know, take a breath. Um, and because, you know, I know that a lot of people are, well, think everyone should know that everyone's different, uh, and, and sure. different, different things help people relax. And, um, you know, for some people, like for me, for example, meditation helps, but actually move, movement, uh, no, movement meditation helps me more, uh, What's to that? relax. Uh, so uh, that's, for me, that's walking while listening to, uh, a podcast or, uh listening to uh like binaural beats. I don't know if people know about that, but it's just like different um hertz of um what is it? different hertz of uh waves wavelengths like theta all that whatever. All that jargon. Um but yeah, so it's just for me like moving around while listening to that uh, or even like Disney music. Um yeah, right. you know, while you are moving yeah it's like it gets you into that state where you can just kind of relax, forget about what I have to do for the next thirty years or the next twenty minutes or whatever you know it gets it gets you out of your head sure and and really puts you in a state where you can your body can finally relax um and you know other people they have to sit down and they have to do nothing for an hour uh but that's just not me. <laughs> So it's interesting
0: you say that. I I think – so I'm a – I have two little girls. I have twin daughters. Uh, They're five years old. Um, A lot of the interactions with my five-year-old girls are are far from a a down-regulated and relaxed environment. (laughs) But um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I felt cooped up and was trying to find ways to socially distance in a safe setting um, and, frankly, locking down five-year-olds – doesn't work because they don't allow it um so I started paddle boarding with my daughters and you know going back to the idea of a positive social interaction you know going paddle boarding with my kids for me is incredibly relaxing it's a it's this really fun day out on the water in sunshine playing and looking at fish and swimming and typically I'll, I'll bring a, a stereo with me or like a small. Um, bluetooth speaker and you know we'll listen to the music we really enjoy the family and you know it doesn't have to be meditation it doesn't have to be you know this really aggressive hard um spiritual things spiritual yeah it's, we don't don't overcomplicate it folks like the yeah. reality of it is is, it, is positive social interaction is a really really broad scoping term that for everybody who hears that really needs to kind of personalize a little bit and, and internalize what that means to you. Um It could be Disneyland. It could be walking your dog. It could be, um, you know, it could be going to lunch. Kai and I, one of our favorite things to do prior to this, and a big reason that we started the podcast was we would meet weekly, maybe every other week, and we go to CK Burger, which I don't know if you guys have ever been, but it's delicious. Um, I note, it. it's
1: not Tanner's.
0: It's not Dan, it's TK. <laughs> Kai tried to send me a Tanner's, which is not TK. Um, but, you know, TK is this little hole-in-the-wall place that we just sit on the patio, and Kai and I just typically don't schedule anything after, and we'll spend a couple hours talking. And what we realized, you know, as we were talking, people were walking by and listening to what we were saying, and we kind of realized that people might actually be moderately interested in this stuff, so we decided to have a podcast. But even that, for me... Just being able to to bounce ideas off somebody I respect and enjoy being around was a parasympathetic response. It was something that made me happy and gave me that positive social interaction. So, you know, I don't want to go too far into last week, but just to kind of keep keep that in mind, guys, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. You don't have to take up meditation. You don't have to take up yoga and you don't have to do all this crazy stuff. It can be really anything you want, but just understand that it probably should revolve or, or the easiest way to do this is where it to revolve around centering yourself, preferably in nature. I think that really enhances it. And then that positive social interaction is a big piece of it as well. And I think if it has those things in it, there's a good chance that it's going to give you guys some sort of positive stimulus to help just relax.
1: Yeah, I think I, I just want to add one last point before we move on to our, uh, our meat and potatoes. But, uh, you know, I think... Um, you know, one big action step that anyone can take right now is just pick up the phone and call your best friend, call yeah. someone you haven't talked to in a long time, um, and just just see how they're doing, and really try to bring a positive light to their life. Because you know, you you get what you give, um, and if if you have a positive interaction with them, you're you're gonna you're gonna be able to relax.
0: And I think that's, that's find your TK burger guys. Like
1: yeah.
0: it's literally that simple and if, yeah and, and find a way burgers, to yeah, make I mean. it or vegan burger. <laughs> um, but find your way to get that done. I think that's, you know, hold the people close that you love and, and remember that like we are tribal by nature as humans. And, you know, if you don't have a tribe, you should try to find one.
1: You know, yeah. I, I think
0: that goes a long way. So, um, today we're going to talk about, The Flight Stimulus, um, which we believe is really misrepresented by the name. So, um, the Flight Stimulus is really interesting in that it ends up being really driven emotionally. um, And, frankly, that's Kai's frame of reference. So, I'm going to let Kai step in here and kind of give his outlook on on what this means to him and, and I think, what it means to you guys. So, go ahead, take it, Yeah,
1: Thanks, Noah. Um, Yeah, so... Uh, with the fight stimulus um, I think that uh, like I said it's it's misrepresented in in our um, education today um, I think most of us when we hear that fight or flight we think the fight is when we see a bear and we gotta like bare knuckle it down um, and flight is you just run as fast as you can the other way but um, the way that we kind of look at it now is fight is just kind of like function uh how do you function throughout the day it's it's really about like low level tasks remedial tasks um such as work such as going throughout your day um you know whatever it is that you do for work um and and really sustaining that energy output throughout the day and it's kind of hard especially with um you know our day to day lives being so fast paced, especially here in uh uh in LA in Orange County, California, you know. It, and wherever else there is that fast paced life. Um if you're not in Hawaii. Um
0: <laughs> which well, which well, I'd well, would rather be all the time by
1: the way. Yeah. Um well maybe if you're not in the tourist business. But anyway But yeah, I mean, everything is so fast-paced, and and always thinking about the next move, and um, you know that just brings more and more stress into your life. And you know, being aware of what those factors are is going to be super important with this stage. Um, But I did want to touch on uh, what Noah was talking about with a thermometer. Um, You know, we are very comfortable in. Uh, 70 to 72, maybe 75, kind of like the limit. Um it's, it's kind of where you don't really notice too much change. Um uh, and then when you get to like, let's say 77, 80 something degrees, uh, we start to feel a little bit of a change. We start to feel a little bit, you know, warmer, start to sweat a little bit, uh, somewhat more than others, Um and and you really start to to feel that that stimulus, and that's kind of where that fight stage is is where we're not really too stimulated, but we're not in that parasympathetic stage where we're we're super comfortable um, and that's kind of where people sit and uh, when they're working and when they're um, going throughout their day. so um, the thing that we really want to stress is is understanding. Um, when that gets upregulated or gets stimulated, um, if you think about uh, like the thermometer, we put a little fire underneath it and it starts to go up a little bit into a little bit more of a uncomfortable um, uh, heat. Then we start to get more into the other stages of the nervous system that we'll talk about uh, on our next podcast, but so Kai, I don't, I
0: don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I think one of the things that's important to understand is that your body's built to be in all these different mm-hmm. climates, right? Like, yeah. you know, you can live in a hundred degrees and you can also live in 82 and you can live in 79 and you know, all those, all those places feel different to all of us. And some people are really comfortable at 78 and some people aren't. And so. You know, the thing to really start to understand when when we have these conversations and and when we framework it this way is that, you know, you're supposed to be there and that's okay to be there. Um, It's just we want you to understand why you're there and what that means to your body. So if you're at work and you're going to go do, you know, regular work tasks, you should be at 78 degrees and you should feel, you know, a little bit uncomfortable. And the hope is that you can stay there for the duration of your time that you're at work.
1: So go on time. Sorry to interrupt. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree. And, and um, yeah, I, I love what you said that people can live at 78 and people can live at a hundred. And, and, typically those people are, are very high strung, very, um, you know, can be a little irritable. Um, because they're living at that uncomfortable level um and i think that that's that's a huge thing and and you know bringing self-awareness into that knowing like are you that type of person Like, where on this thermometer are you living where do you think that you live when you're going to work um and you know there are different types of jobs out there that um demand a little more stress than others and um you know it's all about the choice that you make like what Job? Are you um, are you going to choose? Whether that's because of um, the results of you know what you get paid, or is it because you you're doing what you love, or is it um, you know a means to another end? Um, so
0: my brother-in-law is a good example of this. He he works in in physical manual labor-based work. Um, he's a contractor who actually physically does the work himself. Um, him and my sister were attempting to do on the ketogenic diet together. And so, you know, he is, as all good husbands too, wants to support my sister. So he says, hey, I'm going to go on keto with you. Those of you who don't know, keto is primarily fat in your diet. Um, so you're going to eat more fat than anything else. it so will be a little bit of protein and no carbohydrates. My brother-in-law is very muscular, very lean um, because he is so active. He doesn't work out really at all, other than his job, which is actual real working out. By the way, folks, like let's not mistake what we do. <laughs> <with MMA>. exercise. <laughs> yeah, we exercise because our job, our lives are so easy that we have to. Right? The reality is we've created fake work so that we can not die. Um, he, on the other hand, does real work. And so he lives on carbohydrates, lives on them, sugar, bread, all the time. But, again, he's lean. We get this mindset that sugar is bad for you. And and though we can have conversations about what it does, your brain and everything else, in his case, he needed that sugar to get him through his his physical work because it was so demanding. So he went to a ketogenic diet. The diet almost broken i mean he literally as a human almost broke and the, the reality of the diet was that he needed to be he needed sugar he needed upregulation because his physical output his job his life his well-being was based on having a fight response right he lived at 85 to 87 degrees my sister is a mother of one an unbelievable mother um who cares and loves her child greatly um works in vet offices which can be stressful socially but but not necessarily physically so she's able to eat this low sugar diet because frankly she doesn't need the the fight stimulus to work and so this is kind of what we're talking about when we reference different people in different circumstances because it's really important to understand that sometimes you got to fight sometimes you got to fight and both situations are okay
1: yeah, I love that you touched on the nutritional piece um, because, you know, with talking about the different factors that, you know, can upregulate or stimulate that fight response, um, you know, we have to talk about those different factors and, and one of them is nutrition, uh, especially with our, our diet being so carb-driven um, and, you know, we can talk about all that, uh, nutrition stuff a little later, but just that as a stimulant to increase your fight phase, um, bringing you further and further up in that thermometer, higher and higher, um, and, and keeping you there. Um, it, it's a really, really big, um, a big factor in the stimulus that we, we take in. Um, and, you know, the other one being, uh just the people around you, the environment that you're in. Um and I know we talked about um this earlier with with me and Noah about um your work environment. Um and I know you wanted to touch on that. Yeah, so my
0: my daughters and I on Saturday we went to Target, which going to Target with five year olds, um seems easy. <laughs> But it's not. (laughs) Um, I I managed to to somehow spend $113 when I went to go uh, buy a birthday present for my niece and some toilet paper. But that's how Target goes. Um, But while I was was at Target, one of the things I kind of noticed when I looked around was, environmentally, Target's interesting, right? For me, going to Target, you know, maybe it's a, a moderate stress response, maybe, but only because of kids. I know if you were to talk to um, my ex-wife, she would tell you that going to Target is glorious for mothers and it's their break. Um, and that she tried, she loves going to Target, right? But I never really considered what the experience at Target was like for the employees who work there. And so one of the things that I was kind of considering is that if you're an employee at Target, right, typically your day-to-day is it, a pretty – you know, low-level stress job, right? Minus maybe the people that are in front of the customers, um, you know, stocking shelves, things like that. From an energy perspective, is is pretty pretty easy, and, and not taking anything away from how hard they work or what they do, but but from a nervous system perspective, now take the current climate, the 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 world with a pandemic. What should be a pretty easy job and a pretty easy Output from an energy perspective. Now they're in mass. Now they're on the front line, being you know constantly at risk of contracting COVID. Now they're behind barriers. Now the people they interact with are far more stressed out and angry that they they don't have toilet paper. So one of the things that I kind of realize is that two things come from come to mind with this. One, there's a lot of external factors that can that can change your nervous system perspective. And so you may go to work with the mindset of, hey, today's going to be a pretty easy day, and then it isn't, right? One. And two, work can heavily influence your nervous system state. So I read a study a long time ago. Um, I I can look it up if if you guys want me to and if you need it. But the study referenced the level of comfort in the United States based on income. And what they had referenced was, households that made over $70,000 definitely were happier and lived more carefree and stress-free lifestyles. And so essentially what they're saying is that, you know, income can affect the stress of your daily life. Now, the reason this all kind of becomes important and why I bring it up is that when I think about target employees, when I think about people that maybe don't make a lot of money or that work in stressful situations or stressful places, there's a lot of factors that really change perspective on the, on on the jobs and the tasks. And so it's not as simple as physical output, right? I would love to oversimplify this and tell you guys that your nervous system responds according to physical stimulus, but there's a huge emotional piece to that. And so that's something. and again, something Ty's incredible at, which is why it's here, but you know, the, the, the physical component of this can be really problematic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, you know, you know, everything that we talk about, everything is connected, right. Um, right. Everything has an effect on something. And, um, you know, to his point with, with emotions, um, most, most people don't really know that um, emotions are tied in with the physical body. And when we don't release them or, you know, like a lot of men don't cry Um, and, and, you know, it's seen as a weakness and it's seen as um, like you're not a man. If you cry, uh, which is totally not true. Um, There's a reason why we cry and it's to release the emotions that we have. Um, And, you know, that's, Happy cry, sad cry, frustrated cry, whatever. It ugly means. cry, all the ugly cry. cry. You know, like uh, you know the the one where it just barely falls off the edge of your eye. You know, like when you're watching those sad dog movies. Um You know, Walmart it, it's, commercials. <laughs> it's it just me every time. Damn, <laughs> Walmart know. commercials. Oh man, there was one on the Super Bowl ad. I can't remember what it was, but it was like, wow, that's super emotional for a freaking Super Bowl, <laughs> right? anyways uh <laughs> um but yeah i mean like we have to release these emotions and and some of the reason why people have so much pain is because they don't release that that emotion and and it's that's exactly why i want to work with people and get them to be more in touch with their emotions you know like i wasn't very in touch with my emotions for a long time um but you know learning that you can be emotional and still be a man and still, like, function. Uh, it really taught me how to uh, use those tools and and really just learn about, like, flow. Um, and the flow, you know, we can go into Disney and say the circle of life. Uh, you know, things live and then they die and then things live and then they die. Like, we don't have to stay in... Um, you know sadness we don't have to stay in anger we don't have to stay in um you know we want to stay in happiness but it's not going to sustain all the time right someone can't be happy all the time and um, as far
0: as as far as like nervousness in perspective what what are those what are those habit flows maybe look like when when somebody is you know rolling through them like what are some maybe some some things they can see
1: yeah, so like when we talk about like the thermometer, right? Like, um, you know, when you're in that happy state, when you're in, um, like that joyful, like comfortable state, you're in that like 72, 75, whatever's comfortable for you, right? Um, you know, some people are comfortable in 68. Uh, but you know, you're in that comfortable stage. And then when you get angry, uh, when something ticks you off, like for example, uh in LA. The number one thing people complain about traffic. Traffic, Uh, yeah, for sure. Every time. You 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 set your alarm and you wake up and you're like, okay, I'm gonna get to work at nine o'clock and you get on the freeway at eight and it's gonna take you an hour and a half. And so that may or may not make you mad. Uh so then you start to to light that fire underneath the thermometer and it starts to go up a little bit. Um and then you drive in, and then all of a sudden this guy, this, or woman, whatever, he cuts you off. And then you're already mad because you're going to be late, and then all of a sudden they cut you off. And so you're even more mad. That that fire in anything's a little bit bigger, and you start to go up. Now you're maybe at like 85. Uh, man, it was 85 this past weekend. It's not comfortable. Um uh, but yeah, so you, you start to get more and more of this stimulus and you're already in a state of mind that's not um, comfortable, It's not in that parasympathetic state. Um, and, you know, this is what people in L.A. live with. Uh, this is what they're comfortable with. As crazy as that sounds, it's, it's just like, you know, you already know if you're going to get on the four or five, it's going to take you four or five hours you get to where you want to go. Um, or if you get on the one ten and, and you're going to downtown LA at nine o'clock in the morning, you are basically gonna eat your whole breakfast and 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 then some, uh, before you even get to where you want to go. So So okay, I think um, I think this is an important idea that I, I don't think enough people
0: really think about or talk about is is that, you know, you wake up after a great eight hours of sleep where everything was perfect and and you're in this bubble where you're safe and you're happy and you, you kiss your kids that you love and and you have this great morning and then you leave the house and there's external stimulus left and right. And an external stimulus just continues to hit you and hit you and hit you. Mm -hmm. And as that continues to hit you and it continues to break you, it changes your nervous system response. Now as a strength conditioning guy, and as a, who leans more on um, changing biological tissue. Uh, you know, the way I look at this from a, from a health perspective is, is to me, what this looks like is maybe a little bit of reduction in the range of motion, maybe a little bit of increased resting heart rate. Um, you know, it, it becomes finite. Now, sustaining that for long periods of time isn't necessarily a big deal as long as you come down. You know, that goes back to what we talked about in the previous podcast. But what I will tell you is, is that holding this for long, long periods of time becomes really, really problematic in that you're going to have this consistent reduction in range of motion, consistent increased heart rate, and if I can't bring that stuff down, I can't heal. Now, the positives of being in that position is that we find that from a training perspective, so if you're in the gym and you're actually doing the fake work, um, I shouldn't say fake work, I like saying fake work because my grandpa's a farmer. <laughs> So my grandpa used to make fun of me relentlessly for like pressing this bar uh, <laughs> instead of just moving hay bales. But um, if you are in the gym, the positive perspective of that is, you know, sitting under 130 beats per minute is typically for most people what would reflect as like that mid 70s temperature on our thermometer. And what that would tell us is that they're primed and ready to work on their hearts. And so what ends up happening is this is a great time to work on vo2 capacity and work on essentially like for lack of better words cardio right what people refer to as cardio so when you go to the gym if you get above 130 beats per minute and granted this is a general outlook what that typically tells us is that you're moving into a different framework of your body right you're getting into a different nervous system position but if you want to say run a marathon or, you know, do things for long, sustained periods of time, this is a really good place to be. So there is a lot of value to being in this. And again, going back to work, right, physical work, if you can go to work and you can control your nervous system position, state, and work in this place, you can be really
1: productive there. Yeah, I definitely I definitely agree with that. And uh, I love what you said, that you have to control, <laughs> control your – uh, control your basics you know
0: control your uh, basics
1: i was waiting for a
0: guy he's got to get the plug I in i love to, it i had
1: to you know I had to i he, love it just like you threw it out, too trying easy. To hit it out the park uh, that's right but yeah i mean you know not only emotionally but physically this this affects our body and um you know that's what i love about working with noah is that we've attacked it at both ends um because right. you can't just do one and everything else fix itself, you know, you got to look at it from both angles. Um, so. But yeah, so going back to, um, you know, more on the emotional side, I think um, some some actionable steps um, to take um, under the umbrella of uh, perspective. Um, I think we need to really talk about perspective because that's, that's the one thing that we can control in our lives. Um, you know, I, I forget who says it, but I think it's Epictetus from ancient Greek uh, mythology. He said that the only things that we can control are our thoughts and our actions. Um, and, you know, with with our thoughts comes perception, right? Like how we see the world. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, we have to take control of it because, you know, just like uh, the scenario we had, you know, you wake up, you have a great morning and then all of a sudden traffic hits and someone cuts you off and, uh, there's an accident, which means there's more traffic and, uh, my heart's racing a little bit, but, um, you know, we, we, we tend to think like, okay, what's, what's going to happen next? What's, what's another thing that's going to happen that's going to get in my way? But when we put it in perspective as, you know, I have a job. I am going to my job. I got to see my family this morning. Um, I used to provide for my family, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to a job that's going to pay uh, pay me money to provide for my family. And, um, you know, one of the things, the first thing that I want to um, talk about with perspective is uh, kind of looking at it from Instead of uh, what else could go wrong, like how could it be worse? Um, you know, it, I could not have a job. I could be going to the unemployment office. I could be. Um, I could not have a car. Maybe I won't have to worry about traffic, but now I got to worry about getting money. Um, you know, like, like at all times things could be worse, right? And I have a, a, a this experience with my my family. Uh, I have two older sisters, um, both in the health world as well. But um, we, when we were growing up, and anytime we complained about wanting bigger and better things—well, I shouldn't say bigger and better things, more expensive things—you um, know, things out of the budget of the family—and or just complaining about not getting enough. Uh, my father grew up um, in Echo Park and very, uh, you know, poor community that he had to witness. And then now, you know, we're not in that, we weren't in that situation, but we still weren't, you know, wealthy. But he always had the perspective of it could be worse. And so whenever me and my sisters would like, no, I want a, I want a dog or I want this or I want that, he'd be like, all right, you get in the car, and we're going down to Skid Row. And so for those of you who don't know what Skid Row is, it's a street. In Los Angeles, downtown Los Angeles, where there is tents and just, like, hundreds of homeless people living in that. It's basically their own community. And, um, you know, when you're homeless, you're probably not going to be the nicest person. Um, And so when you go by there, they just are either begging for money or looking to take the money from you. And so he would just take it over and say, like, this could be you. So you should be grateful for the things that you have. Um, You know, you have a roof over your head. You have a loving family. You know, you have your brothers or sisters. You got, you know, aunts and uncles that, that come and visit. You know, like, your life could be like having none of that and, you know, begging for money or trying to steal money or, you know, whatever it may be. So that perspective just, you know, it changes. Um, and it doesn't even have to be like homeless, but it could just be, you know, just be grateful you have a job in this pandemic. Um, or be grateful that your family is healthy and, and safe. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's that, that I teach my clients. Um, you know, it, it could always be worse. Um, but another thing um that I that I teach my clients is uh an equation because so I'm a little nerdy. Uh so it's E plus R equals O. So the E stands for event plus R, which is response, equals O, which is outcome. So event plus response equals outcome. And so really what that equation is uh, laying out for you is there's an event that happens. Uh, let's say, let's just go back to the car example. Um, so you're sitting in traffic. So that's the event. You get on the freeway and there's traffic. Whatever your response is, whether that's positive or negative, you uh, yields the outcome. So someone cuts you off and you get angry. So your response is you get angry. The outcome is now you're sitting in your car honking your horn, yelling at them, and you're still going to be right. So the only thing that we really can control, right? We to control our thoughts and our actions. The only thing we control in this equation is our response. And this is what I really try to teach people is that, um, you know, to control their thoughts and their actions. Yeah. Uh, take control of their emotions. And so when we look back at that, and you think about, okay, what could I have done to make the outcome more positive or in a better light? And so with that, when someone cuts you off, you can respond and maybe that guy really needs to get to where he needs to go or he or her is pregnant and needs to get to the hospital. I don't know. Make something up. To where it becomes more positive where I can let this person cut in front of me because I'm going to be late anyway. Um, yeah. So you kind of flip the script and you make it more positive because we already know what happens if you go the negative. Then the next thing that happens is even worse. And the next thing that happens is even worse. Whereas if you flip the script and you and you make it in more positive note, you're more calm. You, you turn that that thermometer down you stay at that 77 and you know the next thing that happens like there's an accident i wonder if that person's okay i hope Mm -hmm. and pray that that person's okay um i hope there's not another accident like when you start to do that and it's it's a practice right it's not just oh i learned the equation now i'm good no we got to practice it every day and you got to look back at the situations that happen that were you know negative because you know we can have positive we can try to have positive uh, outcomes all the time but it's not going to happen we're going to have negative negative interactions once in a while and so when we have negative interactions we can learn from them and that's a super critical thing that i try to teach my clients is that we have to learn from our mistakes. We have to learn from our failure because it is a resource. It's a tool for us to get better as human beings. Right? right. Like if I touch fire, it burns. I don't want to do that anymore. You learn. It's a negative, um, event, but you learn from it. I'm not going to touch fire again. Probably a good idea. Um, but you know, when we, when we just take everything for face value and we don't look into it and, and really understand how we can take, change that. Uh, you know, you know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Right. So we really got to take a look at, um, you know, how are we responding and can I change my response to make the outcome a little bit better? Um, but that, with that, with, with, uh, I don't even know how I was going to say this. I was trying to be a, a Spider-Man uh, with great responsibility comes great power or something, but uh, we, work have out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have to take ownership. Yeah. We have to take ownership. We need to take ownership in our, our thoughts and our actions and, you know, with with the way that we respond to things.
0: I think um, that's you know, an important see. idea. I, you know, um, I got into care um, late as far as helping, you know, helping humans, I guess. Um, I had worked, like I said, I had owned a gym and I had worked odd, odd sales jobs and, and done a lot of things. And I decided that I wanted to help people later in life. And one of the things that drove me to the decision to get into care and, and this, uh, this world of being able to help people is, um, I really didn't love the life I was living. You know, I, I had owned this gym, which I, I loved. Um, It wasn't financially pliable enough to take care of my family. Um, In fact, it was, if anything, it it took me away from my family on a regular basis. And and as I said last week, I I made the run to mortgage, um, thinking that it would be a space of world, which it was. I made significantly more money. um, And when I say significant, I mean significant. I mean, I had tripled my income. Um, But two years into that, I... I crumbled. Um, I broke. Between the stresses that I had put on my relationship with it, which, which unfortunately is not my ex-wife, um, the the person I had become, I, I had really struggled. I, I wasn't the dad I wanted to be. I wasn't the husband I wanted to be. Um, and the reality is, is my experience of mortgage probably cost me my marriage in, in the long run. Um, I became this, this worse version of myself. And the the reality of it was I knew I needed to get out, but, you know, I was making $200,000 a year. I had two little girls. I, I had a a wife that I was taking care of, and, you know, I, I didn't feel like it was plausible for me to just leave. So I had to take ownership of how I got there. And, and so, I, you know, I looked in the mirror and, and really did a lot of self-evaluation as far as, you know, who I would become and, and did I like myself and, and trying to establish a plan to get out. But a big thing that stood out for me in taking ownership was the freedom that came of just being really real with myself. Um, It allowed me to open my eyes and and see, and and to kind of regain the focus. Um, Two years into my mortgage career, I I started signing up for anatomy courses at local colleges and doing my prerequisite work um, to go to PT school, which I I eventually opted not to do only because um, I found this gray area that I I felt more meaningful, uh, meaningful to me.
1: But Um,
0: you know, I knew that I had to create change and I had to do so without having any overlap in my life. So for a two-year span, I I worked my tail off to save as much money as I possibly could. Um, And by the time I was 34, I had all the requisite licensing to go into into this gray area world. And I I opted to, I I said, I'm going to better myself. I'm going to start my own business. And I think for me, it gave me that freedom of change to become healthy and happy and, and build myself back up as a person. You know, I think that ownership becomes a huge stake in changing your circumstance. And I, I think the thing that we don't really think about a lot of times is perspective and perception is a big part of where you are, how you got there and how to deal with it. But a bigger portion of that, and, and or I should say another option to that, it's just outright create change and change your life. Um, it's not easy. You have to have a plan, but that change that you make allows you to create a life that you love. That maybe is not necessarily less stressful, but at least it has more return on investment. That's more beneficial to you. So I, I'm a big fan of of taking and making change. So if you're if you're one of those people that goes to work every day and and find yourself struggling to stay, you know, at that 78 degree marker, that that warm temperature, and you find yourself kicking up into that other phase where you're unhappy, and you're miserable. You know, I I urge you to look in the mirror and ask yourself if what you're doing is what you want, and really have the hard questions as far as how to change the circumstance or change the perspective, because folks, you won't make it out of if you don't do one of those two things. You're going to end up being consumed by
1: that actual, for lack of better words, that demon, and it's going to eat away at you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, No, I mean, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, taking ownership is well, so one of the hardest, the hardest really things to do. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you have to get... Uh, you know, that saying goes, you gotta get uncomfortable uncom- being uncomfortable. Right. Um, and that's that's how you grow. And, um, you know, from the time that I've known you, you've grown exponentially. Um, and I think that that's the, you know, if we could say the secret to success, it's, it's really taking ownership. I think that, right. um, you know, it, it really does, um, have a really big impact on your life. Um, yeah. And I just wanted to quote one of these books that I've read, um, because I know you talked about, um, you know, taking that action and and really, um, you know, understanding what you had to do, but you did it, right? You didn't say, I was going to, I wish I could leave. I wish I could do that. No, you saved you. uh, And then you made the decision to leave. Um, and so one of the books I've been reading, ironically, it's a financial book, but it's called Tax-Free Retirement by Patrick Kelly. Um, he talks about um, true belief requires action. It is action that gives belief its power. And so, um, you know, belief meaning what you think you can do. And sure. that's, that's a big thing that I, I work with my clients on is, is what do they want to be? and do they believe that they can get there right you know that's the first step and then it's okay well what are the actions that we're going to take and and when you think about it the way that i think about it is belief is the vehicle and action is the fuel right, right? we can't just have a vehicle and think okay we can get anywhere got to have fuel and if you're not taking actions to the beliefs that you have you're not going to get there and so um you know i think that um, you know one of the things that that people can do is uh, either talk to somebody um, you know I know it's it's a hard thing to do to, to open up and be vulnerable, but uh, I know both me and you have have stepped into that and took action and, and talked to somebody about you know what where am I what where am I on this thermometer where right. you know taking a real real deep look about. Uh, or not about but in the mirror um and really and seeing who you are and then you know then creating who you want to be um and i think that you know even now more than ever there's uh you know people to talk to um i know i I see ads for like uh what is it better help or you know all these different places that you can talk to like licensed therapists um things like that. Uh, My line is always open, um, on Instagram, Facebook. I know Noah's is open too, um, you know, and, you know, it's not, not any monetary thing. It's just, you know, going out and talking to people and that, that alone, that conversation alone can change your life. Um, I know it did for me and I know, uh, Noah can say the same. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, the the overall theme of today is just to take ownership and, um, you know, with the, with the nervous system of fight, you know, we understand that it's, it's being functional, um, being in that, uh, right state of mind where we're not, um, going too far up getting <laughs> heated, uh, yeah, for lack of better words. Or, yeah. Uh, I think that fits pretty well. Um, but yeah, uh, any closing thoughts from you, Noah?
0: No, I, you know what, that that was uh, that was one of the easiest hours of my life. Um, I know we had said we wanted to stay under. <laughs> so uh, that said, That's um, That's I I appreciate your time as always, Kai. I look forward to yeah. talking to you again soon. Um, you know, for those of you out there, if you need anything, if you have any questions, again, you can reach reach me at root on Instagram um kai
1: yeah my uh, yeah? uh control underscore the underscore basic so um, you know there too, yeah. good so any,
0: any any of you out there that are in need of of you know more guidance or more reference as far as how we got where we were or just a general question feel free to reach out don't hesitate you know the reason we're doing this podcast is because we genuinely really care about people and we, we want people to to be able to have an outlet, um, you know, so feel free to reach out to us. We'll be coming at you next week with a more conversation regarding the nervous system. We'll go in depth in the fight response, which we also think is maybe inappropriately named, but we'll give you more on that next week. And, um, you know, that said, guys, have a wonderful evening and we look forward to talking to you soon.
1: Yeah. Don't forget to fight into our DM. <laughs> have a wonderful <laughs> night, guys. Take care. Okay.